0: We are officially in spring. It feels like a fresh turning point. I love this season, especially after the long winters here in Chicago. It's like there's a light at the end of this cold, cold tunnel. Finally. Malia, what does spring make you think of?
1: I love spring. Spring showers, the fresh, crisp air, birds singing, watching the first little green buds appear on tree branches. And daffodils pushing their way through the frozen ground. It's like everything is
0: alive. How poetic, Maliha. You and your books. You (laughs) would say that. Spring for me, though, is about spring cleaning. And so it makes me think about colonoscopies. Major spring cleaning. Get it? Anyone? Anyone? No. No? Okay. No. Got it.
1: (laughs) Boo! And gross. I hate spring cleaning. But I am all about the colonoscopy screenings, Dion. Yes. And March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And before this month ends, we absolutely have to discuss this topic. Colorectal cancer is the second deadliest cancer in the U.S., which sounds crazy because it's one of the most preventable cancers with appropriate screening, and it's highly treatable if caught early.
0: Yeah, those stats are astounding and makes me glad that we have our special guest today for this episode, Dr. Infoniso Daniel Umaran, a gastroenterology fellow at Georgetown University. Now, gastroenterologists are doctors that specialize in the diseases and disorders that affect the digestive system. So we are thrilled to have him here to help us answer some of the most commonly asked questions about colorectal cancer screening.
1: This is The IV Drip, a podcast designed to give you the dish on health topics you need to know but didn't know to ask.
0: We are your hosts, Dr. Maliha Mohideen and Dr. Deani Becky. We're both Harvard-trained anesthesiologists and besties. Join us as we explore hot topics that are rarely discussed but can have a huge impact on your life.
2: Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here and discuss colorectal cancer screening. An issue very close to my heart.
1: (laughs) You mean your gut? (laughs) You might not know this, but anesthesiologists like Dion and myself and gastroenterologists spend a lot of time together. I feel like I've learned so much about the colon because of all the time I've put in watching colonoscopies.
0: That's so true, Maliha. I don't know about you, Infiniso, but do you feel like you learn a lot from us too? Hmm? Hmm? No pressure here at all. Just wondering, you know.
2: I've definitely learned. <laughs> Just saying, you know. I've definitely learned a lot from anesthesia. The most important lesson is when to abort the procedure.
1: Ah, that's all you need to know. Bingo. Respect the airway. Now, so over the past few years, I feel like I've started to see more and more younger patients with polyps or abnormal growths during their colonoscopies.
0: Same here. But it's not just you and me, Maliha. This year, the American Cancer Society has reported a troubling rise in cases among younger patients, particularly in adults aged 20 to 49. Mfeniso, are you seeing this in your practice?
2: Yes, absolutely. American Cancer Society reported that Americans younger than 55 rates have nearly doubled from 11% in 1995 to about 20% in 2019. What's more alarming is the advanced stage diagnosis and deaths that are climbing in younger patients. All this is actually very troubling and concerning for us as gastroenterologists.
0: Wow, that's a significant increase in younger patients and quite frankly, scary. I think there's this assumption that colon cancer is just for old people. Why do you think this is happening in younger patients?
2: We don't have any direct answers. We do know that colorectal cancer is an obesity-related cancer and also related to certain things like smoking alcohol processed foods Uh, these are some of the things that are suspicious for for increasing risk of colorectal cancer there could be also other environmental exposures as well that we do not fully understand and where we don't actually see as much colorectal cancer in developing countries like we see in developed countries Mm. which is very positive and we need to do more research in this area
1: Okay. So we need some ongoing research, but I want to just pinpoint what exactly do you mean by processed foods? Can you be more specific?
2: Processed food is a vague term. It could mean smoked, cured meat, sausages, canned foods, certain things with preservatives. It's hard to really say or list all the the possibilities. And although we know it's convenient for many people, we do recommend trying to limit them as much as possible.
1: Okay. So that's like all those ready to eat foods.
2: Correct.
0: Yeah.
1: Try to limit it. All the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's exactly what we discussed in our episode on sudden cardiac arrest when talking about heart health. Guys, be sure to check out that episode and subscribe to our podcast. Anyways, I digress. So it sounds like there's no clear answer or data to support why the rates of cancer are going up in younger patients. The good news, if you want to call it that, is unlike other cancers, At least we have tests to screen early for colorectal cancer.
1: So, um, So, for clarity, who needs to be screened and when should they be screened?
0: So for an average
2: risk patient, uh, meaning they have no family history uh, of colorectal cancer, starting screening ages at 45 until the age of 75. After 75, we do recommend to have a conversation with your doctor about whether or not to continue screening based on comorbidities and overall health. We do, however, continue screening to 85. Although the Preventive Task Force doesn't really strongly recommend that we screen after 85.
0: Okay.
1: And who would you consider a high risk patient, and when should they screen?
2: So, what's considered high risk patient is those who have family history of colorectal cancer, and that means one first degree relative under the age of 60, or two second degree relatives, or those with genetic syndromes. Also, patients who have inflammatory bowel disease such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis have higher risk of developing colorectal cancer due to dysplasia in the colon. So even African-American men and women are considered higher risk. And prior, they were getting screened at 45 by the generalized population or getting screened at 50. Once the recent guidelines changed and made everybody 45. It might change based on new data that we are expecting that African-Americans might even be screened earlier. We can't say for now.
0: Now, what if you are younger than the screening age, like a 35-year-old average risk person? What symptoms should alert you that maybe you should get checked out?
2: So if you have any changes in your bowel habits, uh, thin stools, if you notice that you're having even dark stools or bloody stools, uh, these are things that we should talk to your doctor. That having a conversation with your primary care doctor I might prompt you being referred to a gastroenterologist which may prompt colonoscopy based on discussion with your physician.
1: Okay, so good points here. Blood in the stool means go to the doctor. Now, I've read that one-third of people eligible for screening just don't do it. Why do you think that is?
2: I think awareness is a big issue. A lot of people are not having conversations with their primary care doctors, Mm -hmm. which is very important. And I also think there's limited access to screening, not everyone in the country has the same access to a gastroenterologist.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's where the rapport and the relationship with your doctor is so important.
2: Also, colonoscopy itself is time-consuming and uncomfortable. To think about something in your rectum while you're unconscious, <laughs> I think it's something we need to address. People might feel uncomfortable with the idea, and we have to, you know, break the fears um, that patients have and actually go into more detail about what actually happens essentially give them a bit of peace of mind prior to them scheduling a colonoscopy.
0: That's so true. Um, And I'd like to add, and I can personally attest and categorically say, that the prep is the absolute worst part of this whole experience. Um, I've had two colonoscopies. The first time, I drank the Go Lightly. The second time, it was the soup Prep. And even with the soup prep being less volume, it was equally as traumatic as the first time. I mean, doc, there has to be another way. There has to be.
2: (laughs) Bowel preps have changed since the go lightly, the big (laughs) four liter bottle. Uh, We have more low volume preps like soup prep, movie prep.
0: Yes. And we even
2: have pills like SUTAB, which it depends on what is offered to you by your insurance. A lot of times it's good to actually have some information of the preps available and have a conversation with your gastroenterologist so they can prescribe you one that's comfortable and one that's affordable.
0: Sure. I wish someone told me about the pill, okay? Because I'm really mad about the prep. You have no idea.
1: <laughs> You're going to have to post <laughs> some of that, Dion, about your I, whole I will. <laughs>
0: I will because it was traumatic for me.
1: But bottom line, you need good bowel prep to get a good colonoscopy. Now, we are using the word screening uh, a lot, but I think we should drill down now and talk about what options people have when it comes to screening. Can you walk us through the different screening options, please, doctor?
2: Sure. Um, Option one being the gold standard colonoscopy. It's golden standard because it's the only screening test that actually can detect and prevent colon cancer. During the colonoscopy, I can remove a polyp which is abnormal growth. Um, It's also a very sensitive test, meaning if it's well done, you may only need
0: to repeat once every 10 years. So what are the cons, doctor?
2: The cons include the fact that it's a whole day process. uh, Sedation is required. You do need the day to recover. prep is necessary. It's not fun. There's always risk of complications such as bleeding and perforation, although very rare.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound too good, but is there a more convenient screening option? maybe
2: sure option 2 is a stool based testing which is a fit test the pros here is it's an easy it's non invasive test which you can do in the comfort of your home it doesn't require any bowel prep the con is that it only detects blood it doesn't give you a lot of information it just tells you the problem and it's not helpful in early detection it also has to be repeated every year if the test is positive you have to get a colonoscopy anyway mm.
1: Right. So you're back to taking the bowel prep anyhow in that situation. <laughs> right.
2: There's also Cologuard, which combines the DNA testing with the stool testing, which still uh, isn't as good as a colonoscopy. And fecal testing has some false positives, meaning they're not always accurate.
1: Okay. How about advanced imaging?
2: The third option is a CT colonography, which is fast, sensitive, doesn't require sedation. However, it must be repeated every five years. There's a radiation exposure, And it can't be done at home. You can't remove any polyps. And you have to do the bowel prep. If the test is positive, you still have to get a colonoscopy.
0: Okay. So to recap, it sounds like the colonoscopy is the gold standard for a reason. It's the only test that provides an intervention at the time of detection. That's the important distinction between all these tests.
1: Absolutely. But Deanna, I think we should emphasize that Any screening is better than no screening. And also it's very patient-dependent. So let's say you're an older patient or you have a medical condition where you can't easily fast before the procedure or undergo sedation for some reason, or maybe you just can't take a full day off of work and get transportation to and from the endoscopy center. That could be an issue. So in that situation, maybe the Cologuard or fecal testing is a good option. Also, sadly, insurance coverage can influence your decision as well. And that's why having a discussion with your doctor is very important.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Good points. There's a concern over what's covered under insurance, and I'm not sure if advanced imaging is covered, which would affect a lot of people's decision-making as well.
2: Yeah, it's important that... Uh, to notice that screening colonoscopies are covered. Uh, But if you have a colonoscopy because you did another screening test first and it was positive, you may be billed as a diagnostic colonoscopy, which may not be fully covered. So that's something to always consider.
1: Yeah, that is a really good point. Wow. A really good point.
0: That's huge. And
1: to reiterate... I feel like you should always talk to your insurance provider first if you have any concerns about what's being covered and what you have to pay for out of pocket, which includes making sure your doctors are in network. Those are all important points. Okay. So, Umphanisa, you have convinced me. Let's pretend I am your patient. Aside from the prep, Are there any particular foods or drinks that I should avoid eating before a colonoscopy?
2: Of course. Usually, you know, the week prior to your colonoscopy, you definitely avoid a lot of rough foods, grains, seeds, high bulk, high fiber foods. And the day before your colonoscopy, you start a clear liquid diet. And I say clear liquid means things that you can see through. Jello and broth. Try to avoid anything red or orange colored like Gatorade because we can mistake it as blood in the colon, which you do not want. (laughs)
0: No, no. (laughs) So that's interesting. All those foods you said to avoid are, you know, usually good for your gut. So, you know, that's good to know. I don't think a lot of people know that. I I don't think I did. So those were gems you just dropped. But I guess it does take a long time for those to digest, which could be confusing during the study. So good pearl. Good pearl.
1: That is a good gem. I have also noticed in areas of the country – A gastroenterologist is not the one performing the procedure. Now, where I live in Arizona, it's mainly gastroenterologists who are doing colonoscopies. However, in other parts of the country, that isn't always the case. Is it important, Infoniso, that the doctor be a board-certified gastroenterologist?
2: (sighs) Access to GI is very variable across the country. And typically, those that specialize in performing colonoscopies have uh, performed thousands or have more experience detecting polyps. The follow-up may be frequent if someone's less experienced in performing the procedure. It's really hard to say. Colorectal surgeons also do colonoscopies very frequently. And if patients are, don't have access to a gastroenterologist, they kind of have to go with what they have.
1: Right. The colonoscopy is very operator-dependent meaning that this is a very subjective exam. So how can I be sure that my doctor is being thorough?
2: I would try to see a gastroenterologist, and I know it sounds so biased.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Rep your specialty. Uh,
2: Or a doctor who does most colonoscopies in your area. Colorectal surgeons, like I mentioned, they do great colonoscopies. I would also ask for a report, which should also include a nice picture of videos of part of your colon, to ensure that all the landmarks needed to be covered are seen during your colonoscopy.
0: Speaking of follow-up, how often do I need to have a colonoscopy?
2: Well, if you average risk with no polyps every 10 years, if you have polyps or other risk factors like we discussed earlier, like family history of, or of colorectal cancer, it may be more frequent.
0: Right. So it's not a simple answer. Every patient is different, and it depends on who is performing the colonoscopy. But one last question, because this is a huge million billion dollar industry, and I get asked this all the time by friends and family. Are supplements like pre and probiotics helpful in preventing colorectal cancer?
2: <laughs> no, uh, at least for now, there's not, <laughs> there's not <laughs> enough. Um, and uh, I can't speak more to that.
1: All right, point taken. All right, Dion. again, these <laughs> suggestions sound almost identical to what cardiologist Dr. Princewell said in our last episode on sudden cardiac arrest in young athletes. Plug.
0: Ah, I see what you did there, Malija. Wink, wink. Listen to that episode, everyone.
1: <laughs> yes, listen to that episode. Uh, but no, seriously, just don't take supplements because your best friend or your coworker is taking them you could be quite literally flushing hard-earned money down the toilet.
0: Yeah, quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) So let's recap. What have we learned today? Number one, colorectal cancer is one of the deadliest cancers in the United States. However, unlike many other cancers, this cancer can be prevented with early and regular screening.
1: Number two, the gold standard for screening is a colonoscopy because it can remove abnormal growths before they turn into cancer. Having said that, any screening is better than no screening.
0: Number three, if you are an average risk patient, screening should start at age 45.
1: Number four, no matter what age you are, if you notice blood in your stool or a change in your bowel movements, tell your doctor.
0: Number five. Get your colonoscopy done by the most experienced doctor in your area. They are very operator dependent, and you want someone who has performed thousands.
1: Number six, there isn't any data to support using supplements to prevent colorectal cancer, so don't waste your money.
0: And last but not least, number seven, try to avoid smoking, alcohol, and a diet of overly processed food, specifically red meat, to reduce your risk of getting cancer.
1: All right, well, that sums it up pretty neatly. Thank you so much, Umfiniso, for being with us today and answering all of these pressing questions.
2: Thank you guys for having me. It's fun to sit down and talk to other doctors who also care about healthcare and prevention. I hope we move people to ask doctors about getting a colonoscopy.
0: For more IV drip tips or to listen to this episode or any past episodes we have done, head to our website at theIVDrip.co. Or follow us on Instagram at the underscore podcast. Email us with your colonoscopy stories, comments, and questions at info at theivydrip.co. we love to hear from you all. If you have a good tip, we would love to share it in a future episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find it in all streaming platforms. Leave a review and spread the love.
1: Okay, so before we sign off, we have to have our tip of the day. Doctor, would you do us the honor?
2: <laughs> so I want you to watch out for changes in your body. If you're noticing changes in your bowel habits, keep a diary that details your bowel movements or your diet. You can even download a template online that's free. Um, basically include times and notes and bring it to your doctor. Discuss when you had the blood in your stool. and How often you've been having blood in your stool or changing bowel habits so you can discuss what to do further.
1: That's a great tip. So you're suggesting the annals of the bowel diaries. Get it, guys?
2: <laughs> only, only I'm going to laugh at that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought that was so funny. That was hilarious. Right. That's right. actually a really great tip, though. Oh, my gosh.